1: Hey Valley 101 listeners, it's producer Amanda Luberto here. Sometimes on this show, we like to air episodes from our catalog to introduce new listeners to the full Phoenix experience. And locals will know that the full Phoenix experience isn't complete without knowing who Wallace and Ladmo are. The beloved children's show ran for 35 years on television and was not only admired, but in some ways was revolutionary. Today we are airing an episode of this podcast from 2019 all about the history and legacy of the Wallace and Ladmo Show. Enjoy.
0: Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. Did you know that Phoenix had one of the most successful local children's shows of all time? In
1: TV's pioneering decades, nearly every town with a TV station had its own local kids program. And no city in America had more fun for a longer time
0: than Phoenix, Arizona. From 1954 to 1989, Wallace and Ladmo dominated the airwaves in most of Arizona. But it wasn't like most kids programming. I mean, most shows like this don't feature a clown who hates kids. Baffo, how do you personally feel about the kids? He's a buck.
2: Anybody calls me, you know, I'll show up. They need a clown, I'm it. Yeah, what about the birthday parties? How do they work? Yeah, actually, that's where your big bread is. Uh, Your birthday parties, that's that's where you pick up a lot of coin.
0: Joining our show today to delve into the history of Wallace and Ladmo is podcast editor Katie O'Connell. Katie, take it away.
2: If you didn't grow up on a steady diet of Wallace and Ladmo... It's hard to understand just how monumental the show was for the Valley. Luckily, I knew someone who could help.
1: One of the curses of growing up with the Wallace and Ladmo show is trying to explain it to someone who's never seen it. It was unlike anything that the nation saw. I'm Richard Rellis. I'm a reporter here at the Arizona Republic. And sort of an unofficial Wallace and Ladmo historian.
2: Not only did Richard grow up on Wallace and Ladmo, he wrote the book on it. Or books, more accurately. First came a coffee table retrospective called 35 Years of Laughter. Then he wrote a biography of Wallace called Thanks for Tuning In. So the title of unofficial historian is well-earned. The first question I had for Richard was pretty simple. How did the Wallace and Ladmo show start?
1: Every local television station in America pretty much had like a kid's show where it was mainly a venue to sell advertising, to get sponsors to buy uh, time and have the, the guy in the astronaut suit or the cowboy hat sell the product. In
2: 1954, Phoenix's version of that show was called the Gold Dust Charlie Show.
1: And it was a prospector who ran a general store, and he showed cartoons and old westerns, and just kind of the the typical local kid show.
2: Insert Bill Thompson. Bill came from a moneyed family in New York.
1: And he would have had a really nice life and business set out for him if he chose that route.
2: Instead, Bill Thompson moved to Phoenix. He actually worked in circulation for the Arizona Republic and the Phoenix Gazette for a while. But he wanted to be on TV.
1: So Bill Thompson goes to Channel 5 and says, can I get a job doing something? He gets his way on to the Gold Dust Charlie show, playing a character he named Wallace, Wallace Sneed.
0: Now the Wallace Sneed character, the first time I used that name was when I was in uh, high school in a creative writing class and later in college, also in writing courses. I would write about a guy named Wallace Sneed, and I would uh, not only write about him, these little stories, but I would also uh, do the little cartoons of him. And a lot of it was just things that, that I had done, and then highly exaggerated, yeah. to the point of lying, <laughs> about, this, about this goofy guy.
2: That's Bill Thompson, a.k.a. Wallace, on the creation of the character, Thompson died in 2014. But the clips you'll hear in this episode are from recordings of interviews Richard conducted while writing his books. Eventually, Channel 5 created a spinoff just for Wallace, aptly named It's Wallace with a question mark? No one is quite sure why it had that name, but Bill Thompson played the sole character on the show.
1: And it was very difficult to do one-man comedy bits. And so he brought in a cameraman who was behind the scenes uh, named Vladimir Kwiatkowski. And the two got along behind the scenes and they had a chemistry on screen. And he became Ladmo.
0: The original thought was to have a funny sidekick, to to go along with Wallace. And I'm better suited for the straight man role anyway. And Ladmo is truly a funny guy. And so it, uh, it worked out real well. LADMO, what are you doing? I'm shaking hands with an octopus.
2: And so, just like that, Wallace and LADMO was born.
1: Played the part as kids, and uh, uh, we did things that kids would do so they can relate to us when they see us.
2: That's Kwiatkowski, a.k.a. LADMO. He died in 1994, but again, Richard had tapes from their interviews. Kwiatkowski said Ladmo was the younger brother who would get in trouble, despite Wallace's attempts at guidance. And in 1960, Wallace and Ladmo would add its final talent, Pat McMahon. Richard and I interviewed him earlier this year. To this day, McMahon remembers the first time he saw the show he just moved to Phoenix and was unpacking when the show's theme music started. At first, he was filled with dread, thinking the show would be like every other ad-slinging kids' show.
1: And then these two guys
2: start talking, and I can't move, because these are funny, funny, brilliantly clever people whose timing was superb. They just started talking to one another about how unfair it was that the sales department didn't want him to ad-lib commercials anymore because they didn't show any respect for the client. McMahon was the station's weatherman. But he found himself hanging out in the wings, watching the live Wallace show. Before long, Wallace made him a regular. He played just about every character under the sun. McMahon was Batho the Clown... I got, you know, a buck and a half, two dollars an hour. I'm not gonna put up with a lot of gibber jabber. I'll you know, you know, be the clown, you be the kid, just sit there and shut your mouth. That's all. He played Captain Super, a flimsy superhero who McMahon said was neither super nor a hero. Or Aunt Maud, the elderly woman who would read tragic stories to children for fun. Santa was out on bail the next morning, but of course by then it was too late for Christmas.
1: Uh, Wallace told me he had always envisioned having a cast of characters where he would have the show and he kind of modeled it on the old Jack Benny radio show or Fred Allen, Allen's Alley, where on the radio show Fred Allen would walk down the street and there'd be all these characters that would say hi.
2: The show fluctuated between being a morning show and an afternoon show. When it was on in the morning, it gave National News a run for its money.
1: While it was on, it got higher ratings than the big network morning shows, Good Morning America, The Today Show. This was the show that Phoenix watched in the morning.
2: And it's worth noting that the live show wasn't fully scripted. Wallace did the bulk of the production work, He read the morning's newspaper to look for topical segment ideas. He'd jot down ideas for sketches, maybe put some rough lines on cue cards. But for the most part, things were done off the cuff, meaning they could go off the rails.
1: They worked so well with each other that they could improvise and then come back.
2: But why was the show so popular? Not only did the stars have natural chemistry, they also offered a brand of humor no other kids show at the time featured, dark humor.
1: So imagine whatever local kids show you had, like Bozo the Clown, or even like a Mr. Rogers or or a Sesame Street, written by John Oliver, or Jon Stewart, or David Letterman. Very topical, edgy comedy done in a kids show format. Come in, come in, come in. gang, it's the wizard! Did you know
0: a ghost town near Flagstaff actually has a population of six beer cans? My, my.
1: You watch it as a kid, and you like the cartoons, and you like a little bit of the, the skits, although you don't quite get it. You missed as a kid that Captain Super was raving about uh, communism and that McMahon was parodying all these bloviating politicians. You missed that Marshall Good was out of work, unemployed. He was the cowboy character, but he was from New Jersey and had never been on a horse.
0: It's Old Cowboy Week. No! <laughs> old
1: Cowboy Week? Yes,
0: uh-huh. How do we celebrate Old Cowboy Week? If an
2: old cowboy knocks on your door asking for old furniture or old groceries, You gotta help him out. Ah, I see. It's a worthy cause. But the dark humor found on the show wasn't the only thing that set it apart. Richard said that the show didn't intend to teach children life lessons like most kids' shows. Although sometimes they could be byproducts. Take Gerald, for instance.
1: Gerald was a spoiled brat. He was the nephew of the general manager of Channel 5. There were a lot of general managers through the years. Gerald just happened to be the nephew of all of them.
2: Gerald, played by McMahon, was a fictional rich kid who lorded his wealth over others. Boy Scouts are for ordinary common kids. I am a child guide. That's for rich kids. Even though he was a kid, Gerald had more adult interests. He preferred to tell poetry over telling jokes. I have A a poem that I'd like to recite. Gerald has a poem. Oh, uh, oh, went... oh, oh most kids couldn't relate to him. You know, that was your responsibility. You invited these little jerks down here. You got them out of the alley hey, where they usually hang out. Those are cut stuff, boy. And in a true act of villainy, Gerald would often try to get Ladmo in trouble. Kids didn't like that either. They thought Gerald was mean, and they felt it so strongly, they chased him off stage during his first appearance at the now-shuttered amusement park, Legend City.
1: Pat McMahon, as Gerald, flees for his life and gets inside a truck and locks the doors, and the kids start rocking the truck back and forth, trying to attack the spoiled brat inside. And apparently Wallace, on stage, leaned over to someone else on the show and whispered, It's working. Because to inspire that kind of hate in kids, it was not uh, pretend hate. You just hated this character.
2: So the lesson was, don't be a spoil sport like Gerald. But that lesson wasn't the intent. The humor was the intent. The dark humor in Wallace and Ladmo would inspire generations of Phoenicians from Steven Spielberg... They were the Saturday Night Live before Saturday Night Live. They were the second city before the second city. ...to Alice Cooper.
1: We were college kids watching Wallace and Ladmo going, hey, that was funny, you know. And there was so much of that that ended up in our repertoire. So I have always given Wallace and Ladmo that on the tip of the hat, because I think that they did affect our sense of humor.
2: No one was immune to the show's charms.
1: To be a politician in the state, to be a a successful politician in Arizona, you had to go on that show and prove you could be funny. Barry Goldwater would appear on the show as a U.S. senator. Barry Goldwater would be on the show appearing in skits. Ladmo wanted to build a Wallace and Ladmo drive-in on the top of Camelback Mountain. And Barry Goldwater came in telling him, no, you can't do that.
2: And Barry Goldwater wasn't the only one. Bruce Babbitt, John McCain, Janet Napolitano, the list of Arizona politicians who appeared on the show went on and on. People who weren't politicians appeared on the show, too. The band The Monkees played on it. I even found a video of Muhammad Ali on the show.
0: You told me that this show is for little kids. What, and, the kids? And what are the, are the kids, are they home watching us now? Yeah, just before they're on their way to school. Oh, well, I don't want them to be late for school and don't do like I did and play hooky. You know, playing hooky is not going to school sometimes and hiding in the alleys and,
1: and in the garbage cans like they do on Sesame Street. That ain't good.
2: <laughs> but if I had to tell you one story to encapsulate the madness that was Wallace and Ladmo. It would be the story of Hubcap and the Wheels. Beatlemania was starting to spread across the globe in 1963, and that gave Wallace an idea.
1: Wallace decided to create a character based on a rock and roll guy. And he named him Hubcap and said, McMahon, you're going to play Hubcap. And so McMahon got into the persona. Hubcap and the Wheels, Pat McMahon's joke band actually scored a real hit record.
2: In fact, Hubcap and the Wheels outsold the Beatles in Phoenix. This caught the attention of Capitol Record executives.
1: So a couple executives from Capitol Records came out to see a Hubcap and the Wheels show, which was at North High School. The kids in North High School knew that this was... The Wallace and show. And that this was Pat McMahon dressed up as a rock and roll star and that this is all just for fun. It's your chance to pretend you're screaming at a rock and roll star. The Capitol executives didn't know that. All they knew is they were walking into a gymnasium crowded with screaming teenagers and seeing a band who was outselling the Beatles. Soon, Hubcap and the Wheels were making national TV appearances. Capitol Records signed them to a recording contract. A movie was planned.
2: The movie never came to fruition, but at one point in time, Wallace and Ladmo pranked Capitol Records, and the whole town was in on the joke. Wallace and Ladmo ended in 1989 after a 35-year streak. Thompson, a.k.a. Wallace, told Richard he could tell they were getting too old to connect with kids in the same way. Plus, there was increasing competition from cable networks. The cast just decided to end the show on their own terms and retire.
1: As Wallace told me when I first interviewed him, after 35 years, whatever you've set out to do, you've done it.
2: But there's a sense of hometown pride in every anecdote I heard about the show. If you were around during Wallace and Ladmo, odds are you've got a story to tell. Richards revolves around the coveted Ladmo bag that was given out during the show.
1: What it really was was a grocery sack filled with sponsors' products. Clover Club potato chips or a can of soda, a thing of juice. Whoever sponsored the show gave them stuff and they put it in a bag and handed it to a kid. But the fact it was in a paper sack that had the words LADMO bag on it made it magical.
2: His Cub Scout troop went to a live taping. When it came time to hand out the LADMO bags, it looked like LADMO was walking towards him.
1: But gave it to the kid sitting one seat away from me, Aaron DeLavara. He won my LADMO bag. I was one seat away.
2: It's a real sore spot for Richard, even decades later. But his love for the show persists, as it does for many others.
1: It is one of the great things about being from here. And as hard as it is to explain, it also explains what a great city this was. That I think if you didn't grow up with the show, hearing about it, should make you nostalgic for a time that that you weren't here for that what a what a okay every other city has whatever they have we had wallace and lab and that is unique in the country
0: hey it's me kayla again I had no idea that Wallace and Ladmo was a local show. I just thought it was national. And I didn't know it was so big. Katie, did you have anything like this growing up? So in Chicago, we have Bozo the Clown. And I was
2: lucky enough, much like Richard, to go to a taping with my Girl Scout troop. And since I was the tallest one in the troop, I actually got to stand next to Bozo when we had our picture taken afterward. Fun fact too, uh, Wallace and Ladmo and Bozo the Clown do have one thing in common. So in the 1970s, it became illegal for kids' TV shows to directly sell products to kids. Bozo the Clown and Wallace and Ladmo were the only local kids' shows to survive that rule change.
0: Fighting capitalism one kids' show at a time. Uh, That's very interesting. Um... (laughs) Oh, one other quick
2: thing. The clips you heard from the Wallace and Ladmo show came from Channel 5 via Richard, who has rights to them. Additional audio came from the Arizona Memories of the 70s DVD from Arizona PBS, as well as the PBS series Pioneers
0: of Television. That's it for today, Valley 101 listeners. We hope you enjoyed this look at a Phoenix classic. Interestingly enough, you may have seen something from Wallace and Ladmo before, even if you thought you hadn't. There's a Wallace and Ladmo mural on the side of First Studio, which was the old home of KPHO in downtown Phoenix. That's where the show was filmed. If you take a selfie with the mural, please share it with us on Twitter and tag us at Valley 101 pod. All right, that's it for this week. As always, thank you for listening to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. See you next week.